You're listening to the Light Over Time podcast with David Sargent and Corey Bartos. It is 9-19-2023. How are you doing, bud? Hey, I'm doing well. It's been a busy day. Um, been a busy summer, and I'm really glad we're winding out of that a little bit. Right on. What are you drinking? I'm drinking a cold brew. It's uh, Ethiopia Kembata. Um, I made this like four days ago, and it's still rocking super chocolatey and a little blueberry. Nice. I uh, started my OPEX programming yesterday. Um, I'm trying to hit 300 pounds by the end of next year. Uh, (laughs) And uh, so I'm drinking a protein shake because I have to eat at least 250 grams of protein a day. And it's (laughs) really hard. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I bet. That's a lot. It's really intense. I'm I'm not close. I I need another hundred grams today <laughs> to to make it work. So I'm gonna probably make fifteen chorizo tacos when we're done here. And there I'm gonna you go. Eat all of them. <laughs> all right. So I have a couple of things today that we'll talk about. But first, I want to talk about last night because if you follow us on Instagram, you'll have noticed that David had a freaking show yesterday dude usually when you hit me up and you're like yeah dude gonna go out and you know try some lights or whatever you're like you know it's popping off in like finland or iceland or wherever the hell and uh things are probably looking pretty good usually you get like some cool photos but there was not a lot of fanfare on your social media but it looked absolutely nuts so tell us what happened uh i'll I'll share some photos while you're talking about it but uh wow (laughs) Yeah. So um, as far as me, like not being super active, it's in a spot where um, unless I'm on like the top of one specific dune, I ain't going to get signal. (laughs) Yeah. So I've kind of just at this point, usually when I'm out there, I'll like just record stuff and then make it up to that dune and like send it all off at one time. But I was a little bit busy recording um, a video at the same time for the coffee channel. So I didn't really care too much. I just wanted to make sure people knew whoever was going to check up on me. And I did get a bunch of people who were like thanking me like, yo, thank you so much. It was like really helpful. I messaged, texted some people. I have a kind of a like a group chat of customers from the farmer's market over the last two years who know that I do some photography and they're like, yo, can you like text me if you see that we're going to get Northern Lights? So I, I sent a bunch of those out and then I had a couple people come back to me and it was like their bucket list thing because they're snowbirds or whatever. So they're not here for some of the year. And sure. like, yo, this is the first time in my like 50, 60 years of life that I've ever seen anything like that. So anyway, that's always super cool. Uh, that's, happened at, that's happened at camp a couple of times where I was like, guys, I'm waking you up and they're yes. like, I've been out here for, you know, 25 years at camp and I haven't seen them yet. And yeah, it's, uh, yeah. it's pretty special. It's cool stuff. So I'll start from the beginning. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was probably a few days ago. Uh, we got it, it notified that uh, there was a solar rejection and then it was confirmed that there was an earth directed CME. So that's like the mass of photons and all the energy that actually is produced as a result of the solar rejection. Um, and we thought it was going to hit a lot later, like a, at least another day. Um, the funny thing about these good shows that come fast are that um, when they are moving fast, when the solar wind speed is fast in these CMEs, it's hard to um, actually get accurate data about when it is going to hit. So like you're like measuring against points in time, but when the solar wind speed is a lot faster than normal, it it can be really difficult. So it actually arrived about 14 hours earlier. And luckily for me, um, I check my one app that I use a lot um, and did notice that places like Iceland and, and Scotland, actually, that was my big, that was my big um, like red flag was that Scotland was getting an amazing show, which the UK, they're a little bit further north than we are, um, but not nearly as far north as like Iceland. So when Scotland was seeing big, big stuff, I was like, okay, this actually means something. That's a good little tip. Yeah. Yeah. Um, good to that that app is good for that because there's a lot of uk based users on that app so when i'm checking it and there's definitely a show there's at least a dozen reports with pictures with locations with times it's like okay cool and that's like five six hours ahead of us yeah four to five i think okay yeah Uh, which is a great heads up because it's like you know a little before sunset i can plan for it so i get out there 
and uh, pretty much immediately it was I, I just started looking I could see some milky haze with my eyes and I knew what it was um, and it was okay to start and I got the I got both cameras out because I figured knowing that this probably is going to build up as it does over time usually if it's a good show it starts okay and then builds up to about midnight and then the ovation actually crosses over and then it usually dies back down. That's how it typically goes. And there's definitely some outliers, but I kind of knew ahead of time that I had a little bit of time if I was going to make a coffee video and then focus on the photography, that that's the way it should be done. Nice. So I did the coffee stuff first and I'll go over how that video went. Um, and I don't mind spoiling it, but is it already the, up? No, 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 no. Oh, I have okay. to edit it. Um, I'm actually in the middle of um, doing some time-lapse sequences. So oh, cool. I'm seeing some of the um, image sequences that I that I actually made, and it looks like it's going to be a pretty cool video. Sweet. Yeah. So I get to recording my coffee video, and I was like, all right, cool. This, this video is going to be bomb. I, there's like almost no shot that there's not going to be Northern Lights, so I'm going to make coffee under the Northern Lights. I know how I want to even frame this. I wanted to have the 50 mil like pulled way back so that like it's not super tight on me but like the background is compressed so you see like the northern lights going kind of wild behind me yeah and i was like okay cool i know exactly like how the main sequence is going to look when i'm brewing this coffee and i wanted to do inverted arrow press so there's like a little pour action and um what ended up happening was my headlamp died pretty much as soon as i got to like the spot that i wanted to start brewing coffee so like crap all right well i used this light this little key light thing i have over here and um instead of like just holding it i set it down below from underneath the little table set that i have and so like the between the slats i could see a little bit of what was going on but it was still pretty dark so i got to brewing this coffee i set it all up it's brewing um like two or three minutes in i'm just like getting ready and my mind's racing about the aurora and all that stuff and um thinking about the recording. And so I just like totally blank for like a minute or two and I get back to it and I flip the AeroPress over onto my cup and it swooshes way down super fast. And I'm like, oh, I did not just do that. And I thought at first that I didn't screw the cap on back entirely tight. And so like it fell in with the filter and all the grounds in the cup. <laughs> And definitely all the grounds went into the freaking cup. But uh, I didn't even put the cap back on at all. So like inverted arrow press was just like sitting there. And without a cap or filter, I just dumped everything into the cup. <laughs> and so like in real time, I didn't plan for this in real time. And I only brought 20 grams of coffee and I used it all in that one brew. Oh. And so I had no coffee to drink that whole night. And I just dumped it all in this cup and it's all the grounds are floating in this cup. And I'm like, I just, I, all I could do was like a solid 15 seconds of like silence of like, I cannot believe I just did that. And then I, I laugh because like, what else am I going to do with the Northern lights popping off behind me? And like, I don't know, I have snacks and water, I guess. So I tried the coffee. <laughs> I tried it and it was so bitter, like extremely bitter, like terrible anyway. So I didn't brutal. end the coffee video. It was it, yes, it was very brutal. <laughs> I was very mad at myself. I laughed, but then like after, as I'm like still filming this video, I bring it back up, going, "Man, I really wish I had some goddamn coffee right now." Um, and like I go over some of the things I could have done to avoid that. Uh, but that's kind of how the coffee video went. <laughs> <laughs> so in the middle of everything going on, that was kind of like the culmination of my video, my filming. Um, but the rest of the night was great. The Northern Lights really popped off for a good solid three-ish, three and a half hours. And then we had, um, by the end of it, around one o'clock in the morning, it, we had what is known as Steve appear, which um, is an Bloody acronym. Steve. Yeah. <laughs> Steve. Strong. Let me see if I can remember this. Strong Thermal Emission. Oh, I already forgot it. Velocity something anyway it's an acronym it's a terrible acronym and the guy who made it his name is probably steve and i hate you steve no i'm just kidding i don't hate you but the phenomenon is really interesting and i've seen it 
probably four times now. Very rare. And like you can have amazing Northern Lights, like like once in a lifetime type of shows that you'd see and not see Steve. It's a phenomenon that is kind of like airglow. Are you familiar with airglow? Yeah. We talked about this before. Mm-hmm. So it actually forms similar to airglow, but is reactive with the actual CME. Um, so it's not technically Northern Lights, but it definitely is a result of the same stuff that makes the Northern Lights. And so what it looks like is instead of whatever's happening on the North horizon, all of that is going on because you pretty much can't have Steve without the Northern Lights. Uh, That'd be really an interesting thing to have happen. But instead, you'll notice like straight up above, um, usually. And I've seen it in a couple different directions. But usually what you see is this this jet stream band um, that moves quite fluidly. And um, it's really interesting to watch. But it's like this arc that goes from like west to east um, and doesn't really come down on the northern horizon at all. And what it ended up looking like was this like cascading ribbon, sort of like what the northern lights looks like from the uh, from the Arctic Circle, where like in Iceland or wherever, all the northern lights kind of ribbon and cascade above your head. The Steve phenomenon kind of does that, but way lower latitudes. So like above our heads. Yeah. Um, so it's really, really interesting. And it doesn't happen often at all. And it's still being studied a lot. Um, not everything is known about what actually makes this work and happen. Um, and it's not predictable like at all right now. It's kind of like red sprites. Um, yeah. I don't know if you were looking more into that after. Right, we talked yeah, about it's, it. it's wild. <laughs> but there's like, okay, a certain conditions have to be met for it to be possible but you could chase all your life and not see steve there's definitely um people that probably will end up having that be the case yeah i have not i have not seen it and uh again i've only i've only got a couple under my belt and one pretty solid one under my belt um Mm. but it's it's certainly trippy some of the photos of it are wild yeah um it just it's it's kind of like that extra sauce on top of a northern lights image it definitely is because um, if you're an astrophotographer, you probably also try to take photos of the Milky Way. Which, yeah, and I've seen those. That's crazy. <laughs> when Steve happens, it often <clears throat> is such that it lines up in f- cool ways with the core of the Milky Way. So like last night, it was crossing over the southwest. And so I was able to look completely opposite of the direction of the aurora going on and see this jet stream of what looks like northern lights just cascading over the core of the milky way so that was the end of the night basically like once that was like i I watched it in real time like a half hour like that's all the time it was from start to finish and you could see it go from east watching it i saw i took pictures i was like okay that looks kind of like steve and i was like i'm gonna watch this for a bit and certainly it went bigger and bigger and bigger and then it finally like shot out cascading all the way to the west and so it kind of follows the ovation model of building on one side and then completing its journey over to the other side of the horizon um so that was the end of the night once that died down the aurora kind of fizzled down but the funny thing is when i left at 1 ish like the aurora was still looking good enough that i'd be super excited if that's the way it looked when i got there sure like it wasn't dead it was still going but I, uh, you know, got stuff to do. So I got everything I wanted to get from the night, had a great time doing it. Um, and pictures are coming and a video is coming and the video is going to be, <laughs> it's going to be something with all that footage of the Northern Lights. I got with the a7 IV, I actually wanted to make sure I used more of that camera to do some of the live footage stuff because the last time I did a video, the coffee under the stars, when I used the a7C and yeah. the noise from it was pretty bad. So I'm yeah. hoping that the a7 IV will handle better. Um, and I was, I was shooting at like ISO 50, 2000 or whatever for a lot of it. So it's going to be gnarly. Did you but, do an S log or were you in? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes, that's good. S-log. That's good. Yeah. So we'll see how it goes. Um, and then the time-lapse stuff should look actually fantastic because it's yeah. just photos that right. I, yeah. So I had a great time. That was, that was the night. And, um, it's one of those unforgettable nights. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I'm, I'm excited to see it. Um, yeah. You said you were going to do it. And I was like, okay. And I think you, you went out and tried like a few days before or something, right? Like, didn't you, weren't you out That's there? That's when I did the Coffee Under the Stars video. Yeah, yeah. I never showed, yep. 
Yeah, so I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Well, like, have a good night, Godspeed, or whatever. And you're like, yeah, it looks yeah. like it's going to be pretty good. Yeah. And uh, then, I, I don't know, it felt like it was shortly after, but it could have been whenever I was playing a little bit of games yesterday. And then uh, I look at your story, and your freaking story video is like, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, they're out, baby. And I was like, what the <laughs> hell? Yeah, it was there was like, no was, waiting. Yeah, it was like magnificent. It was awesome. So yeah. it's always good when you don't have to try too hard to get some good stuff. And I and I saw your post, and um, I'm excited to see the rest of it because it, it looks great, man. looks freaking yeah. awesome. Yeah, I pulled out like a dozen shots from the A7 IV, and then I have like eight sequences of different like two to five second time lapse sequences for like B-roll and stuff for the video. So it should be pretty cool. Yeah, hell yeah. I'm excited to see it. Yeah. Um, if you don't already follow David's channel, David Sergeant Coffee, it's linked, I think, in every episode. Uh, go ahead and you know give him a sub and check check that out because it'll be cool. Yeah, and I'm about I'll... to roll over to 500 subs. And the cool thing about my channel is, um, even though I get into some of the nerdy stuff about like how to brew coffee, what to buy, and like all that kind of stuff, I also do these outdoor vlogs where I do photography. And so, if you're like interested in coffee in the slightest, like if you hate coffee, maybe don't sub. But if you like <laughs> like coffee a little bit, but you're actually really into photography, I do these vlogs where I actually like show you the photo journeys that I go on and show show the photos and like talk about some, some of the things that involve the process of that. So it's a really, I think, fun thing to watch and I enjoy doing it. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, well, right on. Uh, the main topic I had for this episode that I had planned um, is still slightly going to lean heavy on you because I assume you have more knowledge about it than I do. Um, but there was an article on Petapixel and I, I have always wanted to shoot this, haven't had the opportunity, always kind of like just was busy or whatever, or just like not really uh, interested. But I go through reading this uh, this article about the upcoming solar eclipse on October 14th. Mm. And so we have an annular, annular solar eclipse, which if you're unfamiliar is when the moon eclipses the sun and there's like a ring left of the sun around the moon. Mm. Um, and other than I think it said next spring, we're probably not going to have a visible solar eclipse in the U.S. for could be 20 years, mm. um, is what this article said. And I was like, oh, well, then, like, I can't, unfortunately, in Michigan capture the, like, full annular eclipse, but there's a chance I can potentially get some kind of partial eclipse um, because it goes from Oregon down to Texas, uh, the annular does. So they have like the path. It looks like it starts up in Oregon and then around like 10, 30, 11, it'll end up in, somewhere in Texas. So it kind of cuts across the West. Huh. Um, that's, but, that's funny. I'll have to double check because I swear when I, I was going to plan to do this that I thought there was um, that it crossed paths in like Toledo, which is not terribly far from you. But is that not the case? No, I do not believe that's the case. Okay. They say that it'll be like partial eclipses will be visible up to like new england but okay. it looks like the pathing is going to take you from up to oregon down to texas so interesting i'll check that again um but i do have a little bit of experience with this um this particular one oh was... you might be you might be thinking about the one in april so the one oh, next the one next spring looks like it's from texas up to like maine and it looks like it cuts into ohio like okay. Northern Ohio. That would be yeah, cool to plan if you if we want to do a meme and, and go check it out. It could be cool. Um, in April, yeah, it could be doable for sure because it's yeah. before everything really starts picking up again. Yep. Um, yep. So in general, uh, thinking about and planning to shoot a solar eclipse, it's interesting because uh, it's real short-lived. Yeah. You have basically seconds of the actual totality to get it right. right. And so the most important thing you can do is think about exactly what composition you want for that specific moment. You got seconds. And so there's there's some people out there, and I really wish I could remember their names, but when I when the last big one happened, I want to say it was 2017, maybe maybe 2018, uh, I really gave it a shot. And, and I only have experience doing this with this one, but I really gave it a good go. And um, what I, if I were to do it again, one of the things I would do is make sure I get the correct filter that goes on your lens. Because I used the Tamron 150-600 to back then, 
um, which was fine at that kind of lens. You want, <laughs> this is why I say planning is important because, because you only have seconds of totality. You can't exactly take a picture and then like switch up your lens and go find another comp real quick. You have one shot. And so because it was my first try, I didn't want to get too crazy, too experimental. And so I just put the lens on at 600 and um, basically did uh, um, a sequence of images every, I want to say every second or maybe every five seconds, something like that. Until uh, from the start, uh, before there was any kind of um, blockage of the sun through totality and then all the way through. So you saw the whole sequence. And what I did was I composited the progress on one big, like, it was more like a graphic than a photograph. So there was like, I don't know, a dozen different images composited together showing that progress, uh, which I thought was really cool. Um and certainly it's been done before. Right. But the coolest stuff that I see from people are people who really plan out very specific locations down to monuments, down to the angles and the focal lengths. Um, some of the stuff that I'd seen involved like, oh, I'm being I'm going to be a little vague here because I don't remember names and stuff, but like rock climbers in specific areas on like a specific rock with like cool formations above them such that like that totality was right above this rock climber and like there was an arch above it. And I, I have this vision in my head, but I, I, the details are escaping me. Anyway, these people, landscape photographers, astrophotographers, these skills come together to know uh, exactly the kind of conditions that have to line up to get what you want and planning is so 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 important so getting um something like uh what's it called the the app that i use is uh photo pills photo pills is a great app in general for photographers yeah. um and you have the ability to track things like the position of the sun the position of the moon um times of sunrise sunset things like that uh and i'm not sure if it has information about uh solar eclipses but at least knowing where exactly the sun is going to be uh Stellarium is another great app for that because you can use augmented reality and point your phone in the direction of where the sun's going to be. And you can use this uh, and set the date and time to exactly what day. What You can go years ahead of time to plan yeah. certain shots out. Use augmented reality and point your phone in the direction of where the sun's going to be. And then if you have a real, if you have a real vision of what kind of shot you want lined up. You can see if it's possible or not right. on this day, on this time when totality is, is complete, uh, where the sun's exactly going to be. So if you want to set yourself apart doing solar eclipses or lunar eclipses, because that's important. Um, you, you really need to think about these things and plan ahead. Uh, if I were to do another one and I probably will, I will not shoot this at 600 mil and just straight at the sun or whatever, because everyone and their brother and sister has done that kind of shot. Um, there's nothing special about it, but it's really, really cool. Um, technically like it's really cool to see that you can do it, it yeah. you know? Um, so if I were to do it again, I'd probably shoot it more at like, like a 70 to 200 would probably be, in my mind for what kind of tool to use to get some environmental context. I'm thinking about things like wildlife photography uh, from like a environmental uh, standpoint thinking, okay, if I were to, if this were a bird in like a cool environment, um, thinking about composition when I do wildlife photography more these days, I'm backing off a little bit and showing environment and showing behavior with relationships to other animals and things in that environment. So when it comes to like the next solar eclipse, I would probably think about it similarly. How can I show the grand scope of this within this cool environment that I want to do it in? Basically that's the kind of planning I would start to think about. For sure. Um, yeah, I definitely want to try and do at least the spring one. I'm going to figure out something to see if we can get a decent partial from where we're at. Mm. Um, next what is that in a couple of weeks from now i guess almost one month from now um so i'll give that a go but uh yeah i i'm trying to remember it was sometime while i was at ncmc where i like there was a uh, eclipse and i desperately wanted to shoot it when i was like barely shooting i had no idea what i was doing and yeah. i can't remember why i didn't try but um 
it's super nuts. Can you talk about the filter people use? Because I, I haven't oh, looked yeah. it up. I didn't even bother to put a lot of effort into um, researching, but I, I figured you would know. There's definitely, I'm going to do this on the fly. BNH Photo has a filter, filter for solar eclipse. This is important um, and learn from my mistakes. I was very, very, very lucky. I instead used an ND10 filter, which is because I was, this what I had. Um, and I was like looking online, looking for other people who did the same thing going, can I get away with this? Because shooting the sun directly with 500, 600 millimeters can uh, damage your sensor. Um, if, you know, it's a matter of exposing that, um, that, that exposure value plus uh, I would have to imagine some infrared light or something like that can damage your sensor. The, just the, That's the fact of it. So there's definitely some options um, that you want to be prepared for. An ND filter... Um, I just wouldn't recommend not that, you know, do as I say, not as I do type of thing. <laughs> ND 100,000 <but>, <laughs> filters. <laughs> well, I think I, I was able to get away with, if I had to remember, something like one five hundredth of a second on an ND 10 with, you know, uh, what was it? it? It must have been about that because I couldn't have gone much slower than that. Um, but I, w I just I just wouldn't recommend it, especially with with an expensive camera. I don't. I've, I was probably using the D810 or something at the time, uh, maybe the D500 actually. Now that I think about it, um, this one is two hundred and forty nine dollars. You do not have to spend that much. Well, there's uh, so there's there seems to be a lot of them, and it looks like ND one hundred thousand is like kind of what people are using for solar photography. Here's the here, with I don't even need with, to look. with the UVIR cut. Which Here's is. the cool thing, though, that I don't have to um, – you don't really have to spend, like, any money. I remember the last big one we had back in, like, whatever it was, 2018, that NASA was actually sending out free goggles or whatever, yeah. free sunglasses. I remember that. That exact filter is what you'd put on your lens, that exact thing. Uh, so I remember plenty of photographers just getting a bunch of those and rigging up um, basically the – just to cover the front element with like two or three pairs of those sunglasses and they work perfectly fine. You don't have to spend hardly like, I don't know what they might be five bucks or something like that to get them. Um, I don't even know where you would get them, but I'm sure you can find them on the internet, Amazon, eBay, whatever. Uh, get those instead because the ones I just looked up were like a couple hundred bucks. You don't have to spend that kind of money. Um, and it's the same filter set. The only advantage is it's probably a screw on and it's, it'll sit for years. And like you said, it could be 20 years before you use that filter again. Um, unless you get into more of the shooting the sun for other reasons, like, yep. uh, like ISS crossovers and stuff like that, yeah. which can be cool too. But for this reason, just, just get a, just get those sunglasses that, are specific to that you can get them cheap yeah if you like yeah. throwing away money there's like some there's some pretty <laughs> bad ones that are like 35 bucks from random companies uh it's probably worth a shot <laughs> it's probably um, you're yeah. not really dealing with color fidelity like you're not trying to like lock in color which is like why you buy a more expensive nd so you don't get like really right. gross um, and like I don't want to knock production. anybody who maybe did spend two hundred fifty dollars on that filter because I'm sure it's like oh, actual it's lens quality. <laughs> right. The glass on it is probably fan it's probably actually glass, right? Like it's probably good quality, but yeah. to use it like once every decade or something, you don't need to spend that kind of money if you really don't sure. want to. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Uh, super cool. Um, I'm definitely gonna see what happens on October 14th. Um, and April could be a cool one to plan for. Yes. Yeah, for sure. I think we should talk about that in the future. Um, what's yeah. what's really interesting about October 14th is there is a shotgun match that happens every year since 2020. My buddy Haver passed away. I talked about it a little bit on one of those episodes. Um, and we do an annual like Haver shotgun match and a bunch of mm -hmm. the proceeds go to like the um, like a, a fund to help people like youth start shooting like skeet and stuff because he was a junior olympian and everything like that um so it's on that day and it starts in the morning so i'm i'm wondering if there's some way in hell that there's like a partial eclipse while i'm doing that where i can get a really meaningful photo because uh 
I think it must have been just a year before he passed. He got a Nikon dirty uh, D thirty two hundred, and I was teaching him photography. Yeah. And so, and he got super into it. He was like, I need to figure everything out. I think I mentioned we sat down and did like a color blindness test so I could understand like which colors he didn't see well so I could help him edit the colors mm. of his photos and wow. like all this stuff. He was super, super about it and uh, like got me shooting more regularly because he was just like, Yeah, let's go like wake up at dawn and go to this That's area. So cool. And like, he was like the most enthusiastic guy about anything he did. And he absolutely loved photography. So if I could be shooting a shotgun match, find one of our buddies doing a, a stage while I could get an eclipse with like a dude like shooting a shotgun, that might be the coolest photo I could make in the next like year. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine that it would certainly be possible. Uh, I would just um, definitely check the trajectory and the further away from that you are, the less effect there is. Oh, yeah, for sure. And you might not see much of it at all if you're too pulled back. Like if you're at like five, 600 mil, you can, you can definitely see. Yep. Um, but if you're back at like 24 mil or 50 mil, yep. you might not get any of it. Oh, we're going to be on the two X on the 70 to 200 for that. Okay. For sure. So, yeah, definitely, <laughs> a, you definitely could plan for something. I'm yeah. going to try to pull it off again. I don't know what I'm doing. I have no idea where I'm going to be at at this place, how much sun I'm actually going to be able to see, but it'll be super epic. If I can even get like, right. Oh, kind of decent shot like something that's not even you can just kind of notice that the eclipse is happening somewhere off in the distance what i'm thinking you could definitely do um just to plan because it's only a couple of seconds and i'm sure you have the rest of the day to do everything else plan for a silhouette and expose for the sun oh yeah absolutely. That specific yeah. shot oh that's and absolutely you'll, you'll what see I'm the doing. effect yeah right. yeah for yeah. sure because like i can just silhouette somebody with a shotgun it, that's easy definitely that's and that, that's all that's i need shot yeah, yeah. that's the, it's just getting the shot you don't really have another option because if you expose for him you don't see that you don't see the effect of the eclipse so what could be cool is if somehow i can align the shotgun with the sun and the the moon like if i i have a couple of ideas i'm just gonna give it a shot i'll probably like just eat it on that stage and (laughs) and just like whatever i don't care about my points or whatever um and then just like try and try like hell so it'll be fun we'll see what happens yeah um but it should be good. Hopefully, I'm I'm trying to make it. It's across the state, so like I got a plan. But I have a few weeks to plan. I got to make sure I can get in a a squad with guys I know. I don't really want to go and just like have people I don't know shoot with me. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. So I'm I'm excited. It should be fun. Um. Yeah, that was that was pretty much that. I was pretty excited that you did the uh, Northern Lights because you know celestial astral uh space uh atmosphere it all kind of relates it's good fun yeah um the next one the next article that i have is uh i think it was in petapixel but i have the the dxo mark uh i don't know that i really put a lot of care into like really really technical comparisons of lenses and stuff like that because like why like that that gets that gets so far away from the art when i already care about specs of cameras and stuff that like it doesn't really matter but what was really interesting is they tested the sigma 50 mil 1.4 and it got like it's the like top marked lens i think it's within the top three of uh all of their lens testing which is pretty overall? wild. It, it scored an overall DXO mark score of a 55, which is like rat, like the the other lenses that are a part of that are like the the knocked, yeah. Um, which they measured at like a T 1.1, so it's not even that sick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to find the yeah. So it looks like the knocked um, transmission was a 1.1. That's hilarious. You uh, make that thing that just uh, comically ginormous, and it <laughs> it doesn't even hit like less than one. Yeah. Well, so and we're talking about T stops, right? Versus yeah. Well, <laughs> um, you know, and the T stops on. So that's one point one. They're one point two. Uh, has a transmission of one point three. <laughs> so like they're close. Yeah. Um, as far as light transmission goes, and the difference is twenty eight hundred to eight thousand um, dollars. Yeah. And then your eight hundred and fifty dollar lens has a one point five, uh, which is really good for a f one four lens. Like a yeah. lot, a lot of like standard f four lenses push t one eight t two. So they actually they actually have yeah they actually have pretty bad light transmission often. Um, yeah. 
but the distortion's really low. The sharpness is higher than both the Noct and their 8512. That's incredible. Um, and so it's actually number one in sharpness, which is interesting. And guess what is just behind it? I don't know. The 70-200 F2.8 G Master II. Wow. So the lens that I like shooting with the most, and your current, like, I assume your favorite lens, you shoot yeah. the ever-living hell out of it. They are two of the sharpest lenses measured by DxO Mark. And there's something to that, because banger after banger with my 70 to 200, you're just like, dude, the one, the 1450 is God, which, you know, I haven't personally used it yet, but it, it blazed through the DxO Mark I love stuff, it. which is yeah. awesome. Yeah. I, there's, I mean, when I first got the lens, I remember there were very minor things I was a little picky on and I've really learned to not even think about that anymore. Yeah. It just performs. Yeah, it's it's super good. Uh, chromatic aberration to distortion mm-hmm. to sharpness to vignetting. It actually has uh, you know reasonable just like completely across the board. The the chromatic aberration is better than the knocked in the eighty five one eight by a ton. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's wild. I just thought that was neat. And if you hadn't seen it, I thought you'd probably just be like, hell yeah, home team for your uh, yeah, your lens. And you know all of those are measured on the sixty megapixel Sony A seven R four. Um, it's actually just really cool to see Sigma stack up like that as a company. Like, I'm oh sure yeah, really proud of that. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that's probably why it took a little while for them to bring out a new updated 50 mil because yeah. they're like, no, we're gonna make the 50 mil. If we're gonna make it, make the damn lens. That's great. Um, but yeah, super cool. Uh, I just I found that absolutely fascinating that it it scored so high. Um, like and it's it's like hanging out with the knocked. Like I just think that's funny. <laughs> like an eight thousand dollar like our mount is so big we can make this crazy fifty eight mil f nine point nine five, and Sigma's and, like hi. It's what point what point four t stops away or something? Yeah, yeah. It's and it, amazing, and it's almost literally ten times the price of yours. <laughs> <laughs> it's just under. 10 times the price which is cool like uh, you know i'm gonna keep hating on if anybody bought a knocked because i think it's insane uh like you should probably just like what? adapt like How like a sumacrons there? isn't it like less than a dozen or something no i think they made a decent number we i think everybody just jokes that like 10 people bought it <laughs> right okay yeah <laughs> um, i didn't know but i'm sure there's probably not very many um right. I think if I was going to spend like 8K on a lens, I'd definitely be getting near like a really nice cinema lens or I'd be adapting a Sumacron from like a, like those would be the, yeah. or, or I think I'd probably get the Canon 095 dream lens. Um, we have different ways we'd spend that kind of budget. Cause I'm thinking about the wildlife lenses I could afford. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, like if I'm buying, if I'm buying the way too expensive portrait prime, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I'd probably want like I want to try a 600 f4. I don't even know what that compression looks like. I've never I've never sat and really shot one. Right. Um, so something like that, obviously. But that's six thousand more dollars. Than yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Anyway, super cool. Um, I have uh, only a couple of rumors. Um, I I guess I didn't get into what I've been shooting. Um, I've been working on uh, a lot of product photos this week. Um. I'm kind of tired of it, uh, getting, getting a little demotivated. The winter's coming, so I got to get really, really creative with how I make content for work. Um, but uh, there's been a couple updates in Adobe, and freaking generative fill is nuts. Yeah. It's, it's actually so good now that I almost never put a prompt in. Um, I usually I use it more often than not to just get rid of stuff in a scene. Yeah. And almost every time it's first try. Yeah, same. That's insane to me. Like, I had yeah. a shot today that I wanted to use as a background, and I did a very embarrassing, like, gross beam thing that is on my lock screen for Zach to see Thursday when he comes back to work. But uh, <laughs> um, I took a – it's a shot of the range where Zach's in the middle, and then there's a, there's a team that's zeroing. So there's, like, 10 guys laying down prone. I got rid of all 10 people and Zach, he was obscuring the targets. All of the targets in a row look perfect. It looks like the ground is untouched, and it's just a clean slate of the range. And 
I just think that's incredible. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, I I couldn't match that light again if I tried. The light was something crazy that day. So everything looks so good. Every photo from that day looks awesome. Um, and so to be able to just take this shot that I'm like, I loved the environment here and then get rid of people and make it clean. We, we never have 15 targets up with like new paper. Like that's right. rare because it's usually him and I, we don't need 15 sheets. So it's just like a, a really nice clean slate. And it's like, it took me 120 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> that's incredible Where, to me. Just uh, thinking about it. How, did, how long do you think it would have taken you with, previous methods dude it would have been so bad because <laughs> like the plane there's guys laying down and yeah. zaxinate trying to get rid of them cleanly would have been miserable right like there's 10 dudes and kit laying on the ground and it's all like it's sandy like dirt but then there's like brass casings everywhere and there's some sticks here and there and it just went bloop. yeah looks perfect I removed Zach. He's obscuring two targets. It perfectly, because there's like 15 in a row, it perfectly built the missing parts of the targets and the stand. Like, <laughs> it doesn't even look like he was ever standing there. Wow. The targets were identical. Everything was exactly how it should have been. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> it's <laughs> That's amazing. It's magnificent. I couldn't believe it. Um, yeah. And that was six selections generative fill not a single one i had to do even a touch up to did you do them those six separately or did you just separately do them all in one i shot? i i do them all separately yeah okay. i've no, yeah, I, cool. I, I haven't tried making a bunch of individual selections yet actually i should do that i have it works fine yeah i'm sure it's yeah. just insane <laughs> it just works yeah. yeah um i I don't know. I've seen some pretty cool stuff online that I want to try. Some pretty trendy stuff. Like people are so creative, man. Once that took off, there's like some really wild video stuff people have been doing where they're like cycling through stuff and like it's yeah. so cool. Um, but uh, yeah, just as a freaking utility for making clean posts for e-commerce or for just our social media you never have to worry about having something bad in the shot anymore. Mm. That's crazy to me. Like mm -hmm. I have to, I don't care. You, you know how many times in my life I've been framing something and I was like, Oh, it's so ugly back there. I got to like rechange. Like I, I have to change. I can't change the subject. Cause I'm like shooting an event or I'm shooting a yeah. sport and like, Oh man, this at camp, my boss at camp was so particular about stuff in shots mm -hmm. that I'm sure if I, I hope she knows, uh, I don't really talk to her anymore, but um, if she doesn't tell her photo people or if her photo people are like too new and don't know this, she'll never have a problem with a shot again. Yeah. You can just like take anything. You could take a child out that looks unhappy. Like, <laughs> Oh, all of these kids look great. He looks miserable. Bloop gone. Right. Beautiful. And it, you would never know. It's just, it's, I know we always are just so, exacerbated by the fact that like that's crazy but well it's just re repeatedly impressive and it's not that we're looking at other people or even the concepts going oh that would be cool we're actually using it for our jobs going holy yeah. shit this has made this so much easier yeah, yeah and has wild. done a as good or better job that i would have done spending hours doing it yeah. the one thing that it doesn't do well is I do a lot of stuff where I'm trying to get a, a pure black background. And how I do that is I have a big piece of drywall that has like velvet attached to it because velvet isn't flat. So it's darker often, you know, it, it doesn't reflect as much light. Mm -hmm. And so I can get a pretty close background. But if I try, like if I just want to shoot wider and I go wider than the board, and maybe the light's a little meh or like something's not completely right. I can't just select the outside and not type anything and it be seamless like white. Really? I'll see hard lines almost every time I try it with dark blacks. Huh. It doesn't like vignette it enough or so it's always been easier for me to just, you know, paint in a dark black background because it just it looks at it and it goes, huh. So it'll just make it way too dark or it'll okay. be too solid. So there would be no, there's like subtle gradient in the lighting that you can't really see a lot with your eye, 
But once they just flat black it, it is bad. And you're like, well, that looks like shit. I do feel like I've run into this situation before. And I have, I believe, overcome it by using the selection. What's it called? Selection masking uh, where you like you can actually feather your selection and things like that. And I think I've overcome some of that using generative fill, using that like very modified selection. Sure. Um, maybe give that a shot if you come by it again. Yeah, I just and I just think it's wild because like I can have no feather a box on like a completely blurry F one four. Oh yeah, like yeah. trees with lights and sand, and then it just looks seamless. It gets it. Uh, sometimes you'll see a little bit of a, a box. And then I've just used, uh, you know, spot healing, and then it kind of like dissolves the the like box. Sure. But a lot of the time, you're like, ah, it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> I don't see anything. Right. Um, I already had made the thumbnail to this uh, episode, and it's uh, I used a photo from uh, Bill Ingalls, a uh, guy shooting for NASA. Um, he's got a shot behind. I think it's the White House of a partial eclipse. Um, and I generative filled it. So it'd be 16 by nine. And then I, it like added some weird stuff to it. So I I went through and made a couple more selections and got rid of it. But like one of the crazy things it did was like to the right of the white house or whatever, it just put like a big crane like, (laughs) and it's like, cause the, the building in the, the foreground is completely harsh silhouette. And then it's like, yeah. ah, a crane would look real good right here. And you're like, hold on. <laughs> like, I'm very clearly trying to get rid of, like, the weird warble that you did. I'm selecting all of the warble across, like, mostly, like, an orange gradient sky. And then it was like, yeah, dude, you know, it would look sick, dog, a freaking crane. <laughs> and you're like, it, oh, okay, me. dude. I, I also don't really prompt it ever, but it's like. Can you blame it if you didn't prompt it? Yeah, right. It doesn't it's, know it's what like, you wanted. It's like, eh? <laughs> Did you like what I got? It's it's that's how you think it's actually like a, a AI brain. Like it's right. act, like we don't even know because we're so stupid, but it's like yeah, dude, like, I guess my job, it's like mostly program, but it actually thinks. And it's like, I don't know, dude, I've seen a lot of silhouettes. I've, I've powered through, you know, 68 trillion uh, photos. Silhouette looks sick, dog. I love cranes. Like, <laughs> and then like, that's what it spits out. And you're just, ah, no, Adobe, uh, Sensei oh. or whatever you want to call it. Uh, no. <laughs> that's funny. But yeah, it's, it's cool. It's, uh, it's been fun editing creatively using it and things like that. But I definitely want to use some of the frame by frame stuff. If you haven't seen it, uh, listeners on like Instagram, there's been some fashion people that like, it'll be like a 16 second clip of like a per, like a model standing there and like movement, but then they'll take every frame and they'll change the jacket they wore. So it like cycles through a bunch of jackets, but there's movement. So it looks right. super sick. And then some dude had a camera and the camera was like changing a bunch in his hand as he like took a photo and like one dude's glasses was just changing, but the rest was, the, it was, it's freaking wild. Yeah. You just frame by frame it and you can just generative fill like one part of the, well, I'm even wondering like uh, how creative people can get with um, uh, what's it called the batch processing and then the um, uh, actions. Can you? I wonder if you can make an action and batch process that action like a million times and make like a time lapse. Like so, if you can make a selection and then have an action that just goes exactly. I bet, man. I freaking yeah. bet. I'm gonna try it now. I want to try it. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's brilliant. I would have yeah. done it just the hard way. You might as well record doing it the hard way so you can have an I action. Haven't, I haven't actually had a legitimate use for the batch processing uh, feature since like CS4, but now I really want to try this. Yeah, that's fair. I, I don't think I've ever used the batch processing, but I, I use actions for lots of stuff. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, right on. Anyway, Adobe's wild, and it is exactly why I'll probably keep subscribing to their stupid asses. So, <laughs> yeah, which uh, also reminds me that I did see that they're potentially raising the price for the subscription. Did you see this? Oh, I didn't, but uh, I'm gonna keep yeah. yelling at them and saying I'm gonna quit. And then if they just right. tell me to eat sand, I'm gonna switch to DaVinci and go to photo only. Um, right. It'll just force my hand, like. For sure, there's uh, there's alternatives that I've tried like Darktable um, and DaVinci too. For, for photo, I hate the options. 
Um, for video, it sucks because my workflow is dedicated to Premiere, so I yeah. haven't like been forced. But if if it becomes unruly in cost, I'll probably eat it and then just use Premiere at work because uh, they pay for my Adobe that I use at work. Right. Um, yeah. It, so I, I didn't see any details. I don't even know if it's true. I just thought maybe you had seen it somewhere, but I'm gonna keep my eye on it because I don't. I definitely if if they increase the price even. Uh, I, I don't know what it would take, what, what, what that number would look like, but I would definitely be considering looking at some of the other like pay one one time options because yeah. there's other photographers that I know that use other platforms and they <clears throat> they have loved it since switching without the, ever paying a subscription fee ever again. The you know? closest is still Capture One for me. Yeah. And I've used it a few times, but there's just like, I don't know that I want to get rid of Jenner. Like if they just keep- I know. If if it's sub twenty dollars for Photoshop and Lightroom, I'll probably just forever have it. But yeah. if dude, I don't want to pay fifty two. Like I'm not gonna right. pay fifty dollars for Adobe. Right. A I think month. you're paying thirty five. And if they up it like another f- even ten bucks, I'll learn Da Vinci. Yeah, I- I'm done. I'll go back down to the photography yeah. and I'll pay twenty bucks maybe for that. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not gonna pay fifty bucks yeah. anymore. I'm like, like I don't do enough freelance to pay for Adobe right now, dude. Right. Like, and you know, I get Premiere. Well, unfortunately, it's not my Premiere, so I share Premiere with my boss. Or I share Adobe with my boss at work, so I can't even use one of those at my house or anything. Right. I just use it at work, um, things like that. So I can't even cheat it. But that's unfortunate. I hope that doesn't happen. Yeah, I'm gonna keep my eye on it. Yeah. So uh, just got a, a couple of rumors that I saw. Um, nothing big, nothing exciting or anything. But like uh, G92 pre-orders were really low, um, which <laughs> isn't super surprising. Because they made the body so damn big. Um, it's not necessarily a cheap camera, but it's the right. size of some full-frame small cameras. So, like, you're like, oh, cool, but our camera's super good. It's like, yeah, but you made the size of a full-frame. Right. And that was like, isn't that a bragging point of Micro Four Thirds? Yeah, it's, the lenses are tiny. Like, right. you get some incredible stuff out of Like, the freaking... Uh, 12 to 35 which is like a um, 24 to 70 it's little like when i traveled yeah. japan i had the 42 um i think 42.7 millimeter or whatever it's basically an 85 mil um which wow. is which is like it makes your freaking uh that 35 f28 that you had makes that look kind of big wow it's it's that small wow. and then the 20 the 12 to 35 is super super tiny i mean it's a full it's a full standard zoom um but then you're gonna put it on a body that almost the size of a freaking a7 4 yeah it's weird that's so awkward. yeah no thanks um like i'd get an s5 too i guess and just like eat it hmm. do you think it has anything to do with you know like super long telephotos and balancing I mean, maybe a little bit, but even their telephotos aren't that big. <laughs> right. Yeah. I had um, no idea. I've never played in that system. It looks it looks like they pretty much used the S five two body. Right. Um, it doesn't have the fan because it doesn't need it. It's got a way smaller sensor and stuff. So but other than that, it looks pretty much like the S five two. So that could probably be it. Like I, I want a tiny if I want a tiny camera, I want a tiny camera. Like you're probably gonna go to Fuji if you still want a relatively small camera. And even right. some of theirs are getting big, but they make small cameras. Um or you'd get, you know, a a sixty seven hundred or something at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Um in fact, I kind of want to see a comparison of a A7C2 next to a freaking G92 now. Because if that's a, like a significantly smaller camera, I wouldn't pick up a G92. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Funny. Um, yeah, wild. And then uh, it looks like, unfortunately, Sony is doing a ZV-E10 by the end of the year, Whoa. which no one cares for. It's going to be an A6700, I feel like, but with like the ZVE10 vloggy stuff. Yeah. So probably. maybe maybe a little bit more forgiving on some of the video features. That's dumb. But They must have sold a lot. I mean, I'm sure they did. Uh, they ha- People have been waiting for an update to the 6600. Right. Um, so I'm sure the A6700 did well. Um, but apparently they have an 80 or 100 megapixel quad pixel autofocus. 
sensor coming out. Oh, oh. Um, you know, competing with the rumors that Canon had a while back. That's so, kind of out of nowhere, isn't it? It is kind of out. Well, I mean, they make they make crazy sensors, so it is what it is. But uh, looks yeah, like but two new sensors already. Oh no, no! So it looks like an eighty megapixel plus quad pixel autofocus and one hundred megapixel sensor. So they got Whoa. two new fat boys. Okay. Um, I could see that one hundred megapixel not being used in a Sony camera. Sure, um, that's very likely. Well, there's, uh, we're not getting an A7R6 anytime soon. No, so. unless they do an A2 <laughs> and they're like, get get the A2 or the A12. It's uh, 100 megapixels. They would need also a significant processor bump to pair with that. Oh, to make well, yeah. that even make any kind of sense. Yeah. Um, but that, that 80 megapixel, that sounds like an A12 or an A2. Could be. Um, Hi, you know where do you go from auto or from AI autofocus? Like their autofocus well, is nuts now. And in, in fact, it's made me realize I don't use like any features. I barely use tracking. I barely use anything. I use my freaking autofocus like a DSLR that goes fast. <laughs> uh, like I'm always on like extended zone or whatever that little box with the extra stuff. I'm usually on that or large or small, <laughs> single point and continuous. And I just. It's funny. I actually switch it up a lot depending on what I'm shooting for wildlife. Oh yeah, no. Um, I I really hate when I'm shooting like something happening, and then I want a detail shot, and I can't just right then and there move my dot and go. That's what I want to focus. I hate mm-hmm. it. It makes me so mad. So like sure. big big autofocus zones and stuff like that, where you let the camera do the work. I just it makes me so so upset. So um, definitely I, a different scenario. Yeah. I also have my touchscreen turned off, so maybe <laughs> I feel like you know, having having that for like tap to focus and track is probably a good. I'm just a boomer, apparently. I don't know. What I doing. definitely I do not use it for tracking. However, I like to keep my touchscreen on, and it works out really well uh, for astrophotography to help me focus. So I'll double tap on a star real quick, so I don't have to like move my thumbstick like up, 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 up to get to a star. True. Double tap on that star, zooms in real quick, focus, get right out of it. Makes it super fast for that. That's fair. That's fair. You're talking about for like magnification. Yeah, magnification. That's all. Yeah. Not for oh, AF man. assistance at all, really. I feel like that's probably what I could use. I'm I'm an idiot. Like I said, I <laughs> I basically just run it like it's the, the autofocus is good. So yeah. all I all I need is a point and then it does all it's just the, for manual focus assistance. Yeah. I yeah. I I don't do that. Um yeah. I just I, keep, I just keep my freaking thing off. Um for and landscape I, photography and then for like the closer intimate I mean, you do some of the like some detail shots, but you probably never do it in manual focus. But I do, like Fair on enough. a tripod and like getting really, really, really into it, like super close, like magnify, check exactly where that plane of focus is on which detail. So I do that, just double tap. Yeah, on I mean, I guess is. even on macro, I maybe I have good eyes. I thought I had bad eyes. I don't know. I just, <laughs> I just kind of <laughs> do the. I let it work. I don't know, man. That's my workflow. I, it's quick. Yeah, I. Uh, you're, you've sold me. I need to use okay. it. <laughs> like I, I have, I have to grow up. But yeah. I'm yeah. saying I'm an idiot. Nah. Uh, that's a, that's hilarious. Because um, like I really hate the auto. Like if you just go into manual and it's full time zoom in. Yeah. Like when it does that. Like I. So I'm just like get away from me. I never yeah, want you yeah. to happen. But I guess because I've never had my freaking touch screen on i've never had the ability to just zoom in only when i needed it that's exactly um, all and all and all of my custom keys are set so i can't set one to zoom in um, yeah, no. for Don't focus assist yeah well all right maybe maybe <laughs> i'll try to figure out if there's if there is a button if i can turn if i can toggle on and off touch and then only toggle on touch when i want to double tap it might be possible. I, there's a lot of options for what you can and can't customize, but I wouldn't be surprised if that was just like, for whatever reason, not one of those. Yeah, it'll be the one thing that I can't do. Yeah, and then and then I'll of course. S- my next intro will be uh, it is <laughs> nine 
nine whatever 2023 and sony doesn't let me toggle my freaking touch screen with a button six month uh, rant of you on the facebook comments typing yeah. that over and over every time yeah. you post something that's a cool new a7s4 can you please let me toggle freaking and it's like geez Corey, it's 2026 dog can you get over it let it go yeah i'm petty i'm tom petty uh she's a good girl loves her mama um that's that's all I have today. Um, yeah, that was that was solid. I'm glad we we touched on those things. Uh, a lot of good conversation about actually shooting. Yeah. Um, if you are listening still, thank you. You're the best of the people that listen to us. That you're all the way to the end. Um, next month, at some point, we are going to do our photo share again. The topic, the the prompt is still spaces. Mm-hmm. Uh, the email is in the show notes. If you would like to submit an image that you take with the prompt spaces, it can be anything, whatever that means to you. Uh, you know, interior, exterior, uh, your pocket, uh, inside of a bag, um, inside of a car, uh, scary hallway, liminal spaces. Big fan of liminal spaces. Um, you know, anything. We're just going to share them and talk about them. They're going to make us feel a type of way, and we'll talk about how they make us feel. Um, other than that, if you want to comment, if you have any experience with the Northern Lights or eclipses, I have a lot to learn about eclipse photography, and I would love to hear some of your stories. Um, I would also love if you would share this with someone that you think would like it potentially review it uh we love that you're still here uh you got anything for him david that's it that was a great wrap up thanks for listening guys talk to you in the next one bye